Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. All right, I realized I just sat down at the microphone with my guest for the hour, and I don't have any notes. Oh, what we're going to wing this. What did I do? What, <laughs> what's going on? I don't have a teleprompter. I don't have any notes. This could be dangerous. Lynn Sukuni <laughs> is my guest this hour. I am so excited for you to be in here. Uh, so many things for us to talk about in this first segment. I just thought, though, we would kind of cover the highlights. Obviously, most people know you from how many years at Channel 12? Well, 34 in the business and wow. 31 at 12. But I did start at 2. That is two. stunning. <laughs> uh, seriously, how many people stay three decades at one property, right? I mean, I've been here since November of 2000, and that is rare. I yeah. mean, you know, radio, TV, even in, in particular, uh, this business does not uh, lend to longtime only team. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, maybe a Cardinal. That's It's so rare. But I have to say, you are beautiful, can't possibly have been in broadcasting 34 years and now retired from that. Can I just say that? Oh, you're very sweet. I oh. have the face and body for radio. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> I, yes. In fact, I, my, when I go to public speak now, I actually worked in TV 85 pounds ago. This was when I was 19 years old and uh, did a little. Uh, He's kidding, folks. Uh, no, actually, it was, it was in, it was, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. I worked at, oh. uh, at a, a little NBC affiliate in yeah. Fort Smith, Arkansas. You know how they you lock down your own camera and then run around to the oh, desk yeah. kind of thing? Jack yep. of all trades. Yeah, yep. one of the things. Oh. So 30, 30 plus years, uh, that's really rare, but also it's a real blessing too, isn't it? It is a blessing because then you have roots in the community and you really care about the people here, you're invested in the schools because your children grow up here. Mm-hmm. You know all the charities in town that you you know, volunteer and help raise money for endless good causes in your community. Yeah. So you're really, really entrenched. That when my uh, boss, new boss, came in, general manager five years ago, said, "Well, what do you? Why are you here? Why do you want to be?" And at the time, I wasn't even on the air. I was the station engineer, and um, I said, "I just." The reason I got into radio was have a positive impact on the community that I'm in. And, you know, 35 years ago, little local radio station, that was – it was all community, right? I started my broadcast career reading, you know, the uh, the uh, the hog futures uh, on the – and what the cattle were selling for at the stockyards and things of that nature. That's what I love about broadcast is you can have real relationship but, you know – kind of multiplied in a way. Radio is still my favorite because I think it's the most intimate of all mediums. Mm. Uh, granted, now we you can take TV with you, but that's kind of recent. You know, radio has always been something that was portable. You could take it with you. But uh, at, when you, like you, were on for so long, you really become a part of the community. Well, you have a different mindset. If you're looking at a job, um, as you do when you're younger, maybe, or when you're in a smaller market, as a stepping stone, mm-hmm. then your commitment to the community is a little different sure. because you know you're not there long term. Right. But as you live in a community and you start to feel like this is where you want to be, this is where you want to raise your family, and you get other job offers and you say, 
I'm really not interested in going. I like it here. Yeah. Then you have a different viewpoint. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about all aspects of what you're doing to doing now because you have some exciting things uh, that God's allowing you to do here in the community. But, you know, I've got some uh, nuts and bolts uh, broadcasting questions, too. You know, there's a, there's a few things that I think the public want to know, right? So uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Lynn Sukuni is my guest. Uh, Hospice of the Valley is where she's at now. I'm really excited for her to tell you what a great organization that is and uh, what they truly do here in the community. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360, KPXQ. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. In studio guest today, Lynn Sukuni. You may know her from a few years at Channel 12. And uh, I want to start at the beginning, Lynn Su. I knew what I wanted to do. I felt uh, me being on the radio was a calling. My mom said, you know, I I hope you figure out a way to get paid to talk because you never <laughs> shut up. It's like, you know, so I, 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 I don't know if that was, you know, like Abraham giving a blessing, you know, that's how I got <laughs> into radio. But it, it truly is. Broadcasting is is a, is a strange bird, both TV and radio. Uh, but I'm curious, did you, is that something you wanted to do as a kid? Was you wanted to be on TV? Well, Absolutely how, not. How did no, you get started? Not at all. It was grew up very painfully shy. So it's kind of ironic that <laughs> I ended up in a job where you're, you know, talking to so many people on camera. Um, I loved to write. That was okay. my gift. I loved to write and would write as a little girl in journals and wrote short stories and just loved that. So when I finished um, college, my parents wanted me to go to law school. That was kind of what was the big cool uh-huh. thing to do back then. But I wanted to go to journalism school because okay. I dreamed of writing for a magazine like Time Magazine or Newsweek. But when I went to the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University, great school, which happened to give me a scholarship because I was the first kid of my family to go to college. Wow. How um, awesome is that? And, and I had pretty good grades, but but I still think it was that, you know, you're the first one, we're going to help you. Right. Um, and of course, God had a hand in that, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And then I, you go there and they don't let you say you want to be in magazine. You take magazine, you take newspaper, you take radio, you take television. Once I, I did all four, uh-huh. I realized I could learn the most skills in yeah. television. Right. It was radio plus the yeah. camera part. Right. So I went where I could just get the most skills and sure. then ended up staying. And you still had to write. Sure, still have you to know, write, just like you would in print. A, a, you yeah. know, Cub Reporter, you're writing all your own and stuff. And you're still doing live, just like you are in radio, yeah. but there's that added dimension. So it's just one more skill yeah. and ended up staying. I had uh, dyslexia or have dyslexia, and I literally, because I love telling stories, and I love to write as well, but... That that I was terrified of, of of having to spell correctly and things like mm-hmm. that. There's no way I'll do, I'll do you know journalism or whatever. I'll do radio. You know they can't they can't see if I misspell words when I'm just reading them. Yeah. But uh, it, it's funny, and I, I do feel called by God to do this. I really yeah. do, and it's just kind of funny how. It's not always the path you think either. You know, when I was a 15-year-old kid getting in, you know, look, uh, working at the lo- local radio station, it was like, yeah, I'm on the radio. Or actually, more accurately then, it's, hi, I'm on the radio. Uh, because I, you know, Oklahoma, 15-year-old voice, not so awesome. Uh, so when you went to school, 
you're thinking TV. Uh, what was the next step? What happened after that? Well, no, I was just thinking writing. So I got mm-hmm. my journalism degree, and the last quarter of you know the broadcast part, you send out your resume tape with sure. stories on it, and we covered um, legislators who were in uh, Illinois. So I covered okay. Senator Proxmire and mm-hmm. sent stuff home, started sending out you know, resume tapes. And I got a job in Beaumont, Texas. Beaumont, Texas. My first one. Boy, that's a culture mm-hmm. shift going there was from. <laughs> six, there was there six months and went to Dallas. Dallas. Oh, my goodness. Huge leap because the news director in Dallas, we also owned that station. What year would that have been? That would have been 1981. See, uh, I had a suspicion because I uh, was the youngest full-time DJ in Oklahoma in 1980 and 81 and worked my first full-time job starting in 1980. And, uh, in fact, that's back when I had done so the little stint. we're about the same age. Well, yeah. uh, at least yeah. broadcast-wise. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't wear it as well as you do if we're, <laughs> if we're the same age. Uh, so after Dallas – uh, what were you doing? Were you just doing the you know, uh, I the did a lot of reporting? things there. What? No, I actually um, did some reporting. Mm-hmm. And then I went to PM Magazine because Lisa Gibbons, who okay. we all know, mm-hmm. left. She was the PM Magazine host. And uh, I joined the the gentleman that was doing it. We did that for a year, which was a blast. Then went back into news. Okay. And then moved to Phoenix and got a job with Channel 12 and stayed there ever since. And, and 31 years ago, the Phoenix market wasn't nearly... Uh, the market it is now. I mean, you know, and when you made that transition, there had to be a leap of faith there somehow. What? Uh, it, well, it was a it was a thriving market. It was a large market. It wasn't as big as Dallas, but uh, it was a a great TV market, and mm-hmm. they did some wonderful journalism. Yes, uh, and I think I interviewed at Channel Ten and Channel Twelve, and ended up taking the, the position at Twelve News. So, through that process, now that you look back on it, what's your favorite part? Well, favorite it, position, I should say, not not what, favorite What part. do you mean, favorite position? Well, I mean, you know, you're doing the reporting. I still the love the world. writing. Yeah, I still love the writing, and I love the interviewing because that's where you get the material to write the story. Right. To tell someone's story, everyone has an amazing story, and they sometimes don't realize where it's leading, where it came from, all the plot twists, mm-hmm. and that God is in control the whole yeah. time. I uh, delight, I tell people what, you know, when I tell them what I do, I said, really, my calling is I put a megaphone in front of uh, people's faces that have a plan and a purpose that God's called them to. Mm. And I delight in that. I love, I'm loving hearing your story. That's what I enjoy. Now, but we're always in suspense because we never know what the master has. That's right. We just have to be open and uh, listen, yeah. you know, because I had no idea that I would be having an encore <laughs> career. Can I just tell you? Absolutely. I'm sure. Uh, we'll, I want to ask about that transition. But one of the things I love to interview and, you know, news anchors, not all news anchors are good interviewers. I've seen them get to that position through a different route where they haven't done a lot of the actual one-on-one interviewing style. Uh, maybe they're a good reporter, great in front of the camera, all of that. But, well, you know, there's a technique because you have to, depending on the person, yeah. if you're interviewing a very um, highbrow doctor with a lot of technical terms, you can do that all day long and not get a soundbite. But right. if you play dumb, yeah. he's going to dumb it down. So the rest of us can. So you have to really kind of look at who you're talking to. Yeah. Well, I knew that you had incredible interviewing skills when Jimmy Fallon uh, <laughs> went to The Tonight Show and that interview, uh, I. 
you were having so much fun doing that. I thought she would love to just do that all the time. <laughs> no, it would. I I would have to do something a little more meaningful than celebrity. Well, no, just, However, just it was hilarious and i did go home with a sore gut from just doing all those belly laughs he truly is a hysterical guy he's very entertaining who's the most interesting person uh, and i get this question and i hate it and i'm sure you're going to hate it too who's the most interesting person you've had a chance to interview oh my goodness yeah it's hard isn't it yeah it is because See, it, just, you don't I'm, know I'm, if it's politics you're talking about or if yeah. it's just somebody who I t- I, who I, started some um you know saved someone's life i mean right. what what's interesting i'm delighting in your discomfort because they asked me that and i can't ever answer it yeah. I, I, there's just too many you know we've done documentaries about people who you know uh, premature births and mm-hmm. what a family goes through they're they're all interesting yeah yeah. When you've had over the years, obviously, the technology changes. Let's just stick to the real nuts and bolts with that. Wow. How different is TV now? I remember going to the uh, NAB and seeing HD TV for the first time. Ooh. And that was, gosh, I want to say 10 years, 12 years ago now. And they had a, a, an episode of Northern Exposure uh, uh, the size of a the theater screen. And it looked like you could just walk right into the forest right. there. And be in Alaska, yeah. That's that's kind of crazy from the days when, you know, I was uh, working, you know, camera on the weather guy, and it's a metal cloud stuck with a magnet on it stuck to a metal board. And, you know, he's standing there in shorts and flip-flops with a sport coat on. You know, it's, it now, boy, there is no hiding from the camera, if you will. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary when um, you know, you wake up and you've got a giant zit on your face. Yeah, <laughs> or, it's like there's and it's no gonna hiding. Be a crater. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And I I remember uh, Tom Brokaw uh, one time, uh, and this was probably 15 years ago, uh, seeing him out and about, and you know he had really long facial hairs, not hair, not like a beard, but you could tell he doesn't actually shave. You know he wait till they grow out. And it's like, you couldn't do that today with a camera like that now because it's going to show all that. It's kind of, it was kind of startling and a reminder that, yeah, the camera is kind of a, an odd beast. It is. Well, we know from forever that it adds 10 pounds and, you know, it's just, it's, it is what it is. I always ask how many cameras they've got in the room because it seems like it's a lot more than, you know, if you got 10 pounds each, then I'm about right. (laughs) But uh, when you've, uh, gone through uh, working with people. That's another aspect that I don't know that the the viewer fully gets how important it is for relationship with those that you're working with. Oh, well, I think it's critical. I think chemistry with the person, your co-anchor is critical. It You, you can work with anyone just as God commands us to love everyone. Mm-hmm. But when it's so easy because you are so aligned and connected and there's just a chemistry there. It's it's a gift. And um, Mark Curtis and I certainly had that. We absolutely we're still very very close. We had lunch last week. Um, you know the, that's a friendship and a respect. And you know we are we call each other um, uh, work spouses. He's my work husband. Yes, absolutely. I'm his work wife. Yeah. His, his wife is my sister wife. Sure. <laughs> and uh, you know having done morning shows and things of that, you know team efforts on the radio, it's it's vital. Uh, you really and you start to feel like. You know, they are truly part of the family. Yeah. Uh, it was evident, uh, you and Mark, that that chemistry. And, of course, uh, you know, 
doing some sports reporting myself 20 years ago. Mark, is that's where I met him originally. Uh, just a great guy oh, he's to be a great around. Guy. Oh, we had so many good people at 12. And we truly, I mean, that was just my work husband. I did have a work family. All the reporters were my work kids. Yeah. Uh, Bay was my work girlfriend. I mean, we, we were very, very tight. And Mark and I were kind of, in some ways, the mom and dad of the newsroom. What is. Because uh, we're old. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> going to say it. We got a couple of minutes here before this first break. Um, what's something that might be surprising about TV that. Uh, that the viewer doesn't know or would be surprised or maybe Well, I think they know this, but they don't really think about it. When when there is breaking news or something like that and the media nowadays grabs onto it and goes on it's ad true. nauseum forever, you guys can turn it off at home. Yeah. But the people in the media cannot. They live it, breathe it 24-7 until the story goes away, which yeah. can be a week. I was, And it's uh, draining. Yeah. I, I, you are so cr- – and I can't even imagine being in front of a camera. I was the operations manager and program director here when 9-11 happened. I lived at Estrella Mountain Ranch. And when I saw the first plane, I packed a bag uh, because I knew I was just – I'm going to be here. And I was. I was here at the radio station for three days. We had two radio stations. And you're right. And that's another thing. Somebody will come up and ask me, and I'm sure this has happened to you. Oh, did you see on or did you hear on your own station? And nope. To be honest, when I walk out the door, I've got to turn it off. And it's that very thing. You're right. You have to recharge. That is really uh, the listener they can or viewer. They can say, okay, enough. Not if you're the one reporting it. That's brutal. Good answer. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the other things God has you doing now. Uh, when we return... This is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. So we don't have somebody here going three, two, but Q. <laughs> having actually seriously been uh, behind the camera or to the side of the camera, it can really get funny, uh, especially <laughs> if you, you know, like I said, uh, you know, you have a great relationship with the people. There's nothing more delicious than making them crack up at least <laughs> once, right? I mean, you know. Hopefully during an appropriate story. Right. You don't want it to, you, you have to pick and choose. You can't do it at the wrong time. But I'm guessing that happened a time or two. Oh, you, yeah. Right? We had such a good relationship with folks in the, in the uh, studio. It was, uh, yeah. Early on in my radio career, teletype still, you know, rip and read for news in the morning. And, you know, I had a bad habit for a while of, showing up literally five minutes before the cast, grabbing the summary. And, it, you know, it had been typing all night, so I was the first in. Well, I did have it set on fire. Somebody set it on fire Aww. while I was reading it. So I'm, like, trying to put the fire out before I get the cast down. And, you know, I'm sure it never got that bad for you. No. Nobody would ever, you know, set <laughs> wow. your script on fire. But wow. uh, it, it can be a lot of fun behind the scenes. Because quite honestly, there's nothing uh, there's nothing more enjoyable than a true pro that just can't be cracked, right? Yeah. Because you just, Does that exist? You just want to do it. You just you keep yeah. going. You keep pushing. Yeah. And to. I've worked with a couple of people that were just stunningly uh, in control, immune really? to wow. that. And it's like, okay, at, a, at some point, it's no fun. 
<laughs> you know, right? And it's like, okay, fine. I'm just not going to do it anymore. But uh, that is just one of the things that goes on. Uh, it's kind of like the gag reel, except we're, you know, we, we live it out on a, a fairly regular basis. Um, you have, since you've left um, Channel 12, I've seen flourish some of your personal uh, excitements and things that you like to do. Uh, I know you're loving being with your kids and Absolutely. your family set up. Is that, was that a major reason for making that decision to go ahead and leave now? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my boys are starting high school, so I really have four years left with them at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, the station was wonderful and let me come home for, uh, you know, a good dinner break yeah. each night. Uh, but that's just still not quality right. time. You're in a hurry. You've got to run back and, and prepare for the, the 10 o'clock show. Um, and there were nights, of course, that news just didn't permit that. Right. And I'm at work when they're at home. Mm-hmm. And I'm at home when they're at school. And yeah. it's very difficult. So I love it. I mean, you know, I, I'm a reporter, so I could find out what was going on in their sure. lives very quickly. <laughs> but it's not the same kind. Yeah. Now we have all evening. In fact, I get stuff like it, the conversation just flows. The other night they said, Mom, you got to check out this app. You take a picture of two people and it oh, swaps faces, yeah. right? That app's Hilarious. It's yeah. so funny. But those are the kinds of things, sure. the moments we didn't have because there was no time. Yeah, and they're excited to have you home too? Love it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so much fun. Picking a high school, figuring out where you're going to go, that's yeah. kind of a big they deal. They just got into Brophy. They're so excited. Oh, how yeah. about that? Yeah. Congratulations. How, what are some other family things that maybe you didn't expect uh, was going to present itself that now that you have more time – well, I say more time that you're not I have anchored time in to the a evenings. desk, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, I. It took me, oh gosh, a couple months to relax at night. I can't because that's imagine. when I was busy, yeah, right? And I would be up and down and couldn't mm-hmm. watch a show. And what are we doing? And you know, up, up, up. And I thought, oh, whoa, this is my new life. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to go. Back to work. I can, can take my time. What happens when a story breaks? Well, I thought that I would get antsy. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting, and this tells me that God really moved me at the right time. I kind of want to drop to my knees and yeah, thank him that I'm not there anymore. Oh, Yeah, I wow. mean, the parachutings happened, and I went, I'm so glad I didn't yeah. have to cover that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So glad. Uh, you have some interests. I've seen some of your work. Uh, I, In fact, uh, the, your friends will get this immediately. I considered wearing a black and white checkered shirt to work. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you go with it. <laughs> but uh you have some uh decorator aspirations and 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 specific uh fun that you have with that also uh, a little cooking as well. So let's baking. start ba- yeah, okay. baking. Yeah. Well, that's true. It it yeah. it is. Now I think about it, it is all baking sweet nothings. Is that uh, Sweet sweet it, we actually this it's called sweet stops Sweet stops, mm-hmm. right. I got yeah. it wrong. See, I need well, notes. that's okay. That's I okay. This notes. actually happened 5 years ago. Okay. My best friend and I love mm-hmm. to to make dessert. And, and I kind of you know, I had a coworker here that was one of the people that would come to the classes. Yeah. You know, she would come in on Monday morning. Well, those oh, developed after we started making all the sweets. People were like, "You guys are kind of crafty could you maybe have classes and mm-hmm. so we do and we serve our sweets but so now, does that cross over between the 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 decorating stuff and the 
the dessert stuff? or Well, it's the gals who ended up loving our sweets and, you know, making friends. And we decided, you know, this we actually did feel like a women's fellowship group. And mm-hmm. it's amazing how many Christians come. Yeah. So these girls get together and they share. And they're now really good friends after five years. Yeah. So we do them a couple times a year where we teach them to do some kind of craft or some kind of baking. And uh, it's just grown into just a fun thing that we do with Sweet Stops. I think it's important that women, I think it's important that men get together with women, get together with women and do stuff. And it doesn't have to be uh, the traditional thing, but there's something about getting together and God being present, but yet being creative because, you know, God created us in his image and he's a creator. So we're going to find joy when we're creating, right? Yes. You have to use your heart and your soul and your mind when you make something. What's your What's your favorite thing going on right now? I made the, the black and white checker joke, but what, what's the favorite in thing right now? In terms of baking? Yeah. Oh, well, our signature is our dark chocolate pecan toffee. Everybody all has right. almond toffee. We do pecan toffee. It's to die for. And being from the South originally, obviously. Coffee's the uh, best. And it's not milk chocolate. It's dark chocolate. Oh so it's good for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, one of the other things uh, that obviously that is I, – because I, every time I've uh, been around you and made mention of it or seen you talk about it, you just kind of light up. And that's Hospice of the Valley. We're going to talk a lot about it. But uh, just in, just the initial transition, was this something that you were drawn to before you left Channel 12 or did this – show up after? What was that process? My father-in-law passed away in 2003, and we used Hospice of the Valley. So that was my first introduction to hospice and my first introduction to Hospice of the Valley, and I was blown away. Our Mm. whole family was. It was the most amazing care for him and for the family. Yeah. So I never forgot it. I met Susan Levine, who was the executive director. She's been the executive director for the last 22 years. So when I was thinking about my transition from news, because I felt God's urging that mm-hmm. it was time to use my gifts, different gifts right. in a different way, because you don't get to use compassion in news. No. And now I can just ooze it. It's great. <laughs> um, I called some people and had some different options that I was pursuing. But one of my conversations was with Susan Levine, who I respect so much. And, had you know, lo and behold, he led me right there. And we both thought it would be a good fit. And it, it truly feels wonder. I feel blessed to be there. Now, I have seen God work in my own life and in others that you get to a point and something happens that comes kind of out of left field. But then you look back and say, gosh, everything that I learned and had done before was to get me ready for this right now. Yeah. What is some of the, the things that God had prepared you for this position? Well, I think because there was, um, you know, I was weary. My soul was weary of all the home invasions and child abuse and murder and crime and not enough kindness, compassion and love in the world, which is what the world I'm in now. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I meant. I had a deficit. Now I get to fill that hole. That's good. I mean, it's just it's amazing. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Hospice of the Valley, but I, I and I didn't, you know, clear this ahead of time, but one of the things that I personally uh, have prayed for people in the media, specifically TV media, because being a person of faith, you know, at the news desk, that's a real challenge uh, because uh, you can actually, I, I, don't, I won't say get censured, but it, it can be kind of tough. Do you, do you want to talk about that at all? Just make any Well, mention? I think it's hard. Uh, I, I think there's a difference between being a person of faith 
and not being ashamed of it mm-hmm. and being a person of faith who's trying to force other people to ah. see things your mm-hmm. way, which is never acceptable no right. matter what. And that's not what the Lord wants us to right. do. You're an example, and that's how you will reflect his love. So I didn't ever have a – just like, you know, I'm not – I have a wedding ring on. Mm-hmm. That's a symbol that I'm married. Right. I'm a faithful person. It's a symbol that I that I, I love God. Mm-hmm. It's It's not something that – you know, because I have a wedding ring on, am I forcing other people to be married? Yeah. No, it's not. You know right. what I mean? It's just who you are, and there's nothing wrong with being who you are. And I, I, I want to encourage people that that's uh, – I want to, people to see that I'm a person of faith and I'm a Christian in particular, and also, wow, he is really good at his job. He works really hard. He is always committed because I want to honor God through the gifts and talent that he's given me. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, w- I want people to say, wow, you know, I hired a Christian today. I can't believe I found somebody that works so hard and, and is so talented and so committed and reliable. That That's how I personally want to serve God. Yeah, I, I think sometimes when people hear that, they, you know, they have gifts, they think, well, I'm I'm not talented writer. I'm not good in front of a camp, but we all have gifts and God made them different. Maybe you are super kind. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are an encourager. Maybe you are reliable and and trustworthy. Maybe you are a good listener because no one else in the world listens hardly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are so many gifts and so many ways that you can contribute and the Lord knows which one you should be using. So don't belittle your gifts. Absolutely. You are God's creation and you are a true child of the one true king. Mm-hmm. You need to remember that. I still have to tell myself that. I, I still have to remind, you know, God loves me for who I am and he loves me enough to not to leave me there. You know, he wants me to grow and exactly. and grow to know him more. This weekend, uh, I was at a conference. One of the speakers made the comment, who was the most important person in Jesus's ministry? You just kind of let it hang there. And, you know, a few people, you know, oh, well, Jesus or, you know, whatever, a few different answers. And he said, for Jesus's ministry, the person that was in front of him at that moment was the most important person in Jesus's ministry. We can all do that. Yeah. We can all, it doesn't matter who you are, what your walk of life is. Whoever God puts in front of you, is there for a reason. Is there for a reason. Well, you know, you get gifts and it's not enough to know, yes. God has given me gifts. It's not even enough to know he's given me this gift, this gift, and this gift, and I know what they are. You have to give them away. Mm -hmm. If you don't give your gifts away, it's a waste. The name of the program is Koinonia, Passionate Communion. We were created to commune one with another, and that is what Lin Su has just said. Your gifts and talents don't reach their full maturity until you give them away to serve others. that's how God created us. That's how he created uh, our, our living together and loving together. We're going to talk about Hospice of the Valley and Lynn Sue's involvement with that. When we return, this is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. This is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am just so blessed and honored to have Lin Su Cooney in with me. 
And uh, this has just been a lot of fun for me. Because, oh, me too. You know, we don't get to ask the <laughs> anchor, you know, questions like this. We don't get to find out, uh, you know, the the fun stuff behind the scenes. So this I didn't is, even give you any dirt on Mark Curtis. Uh, well, you know, it's we could have gone there too. <laughs> no, right? there isn't any. Well, uh, see, now you and I both know that, that we could bring up golf and we could absolutely find <laughs> some stuff uh, with Mark. But anyway... Uh, one of the things that, as you you mentioned, uh, with Hospice of the Valley, uh, your 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 life was touched by them in 2003, and then God led you to this position. Uh, talk about Hospice of the Valley. Uh, what is it? Some people, you know, they they kind of know uh, end of life stuff, or, or you know, they may, but if they haven't personally experienced. Yeah, this. they really don't know. They and, don't know. And most people don't want to think about the end of their life. Right. So so they aren't necessarily educated. But hospice care, hospice comes from the word hospitality in your home, right? Making people comfortable in your home. Uh, it Hospice of the Valley was the first hospice organization in Arizona, 1977. Mm. So next year it will be 40 wow. years old. Started by three volunteers who were called by God. One was a pastor. And they didn't like the way people were dying alone in the hospital. Hmm. They wanted them to be at home where they wanted to be, surrounded by family. So hospice comes to you wherever your home is. If it's a group home, your own home, assisted living, wherever it is, your your children's home, and tries to make you comfortable and give you a dignified death. But Hospice of the Valley does so much more than end-of-life care. We now do dementia care. We take that care in your home that we would give you for hospice. We bring the dementia care to the caregiver who's caring for a loved one in the home Mm. or wherever the home is uh, to teach them to to deal with that stress and the mood swings and and all the things that come with dementia. Um, And then we also do pediatric care because their kids are very, very medically fragile and sick and dying. Mm -hmm. We do perinatal care. This is a program that actually there is no cost for. Uh, So you're a pregnant couple, and the doctor says your child that you're carrying is not going to survive birth. Who walks you through that journey so that there's an opera, uh, there's a plan in the, in the operating room Mm -hmm. so that a pastor's there to bless the baby so that you have a picture and your whole family's there to meet the baby for however long it lives. We just went through uh, this with a couple whose child lived 106 minutes, but Mary Mm. Margaret was their firstborn. They have photos of her and she was christened. Mm. So that's a beautiful program that we have. Yeah. And we have grief support. So, and that is free. So you don't have to have been a patient of Hospice of the Valley to be supported if there is grief in your family. One of the things with social media in the last decade or so, the it, it, and I've heard it accurately described, that it, it brings you more in contact with the people that are far away, but it separates you from the people you're close to, or it can very easily. Uh, and our society is, is getting siloed, is getting segmented where, you know, you don't have three generations living in a home anymore. So something like hospice care is even more important now than maybe any time in our history. Well, we just believe that the end of life deserves the same amount Amen. of reverence and beauty as a birth, the yeah. beginning of life. It does. You've lived your whole life living well. Why would you want to have a terrible death? You yeah. want You want to die well. Yeah. The... And I didn't know this or I didn't fully understand it, and I'm guessing a lot of our audience doesn't either, but uh, not-for-profit. Hospice of the Valley is Mm not-for-profit. There's a lot of end-of-life care agencies that are for-profit. That's a a whole different animal. Well, it's a different business model. There are 50-some other hospices in the Valley 
Um, I think Banner Foundation is, has a non-for-profit hospice, um, but we're basically the only one in town. And it does make a difference because we don't turn anyone away. So instead of investors and stockholders at the end of the year that we have to pay, our money goes into community programs. Mm. $7.9 million last year went to charity wow. care. So people who can't afford hospice care mm-hmm. are never turned away. And um, say you're... 47-year-old woman, too young for Medicare. Medicare is what pays for hospice. Mm-hmm. You lost your job because you can't work, so now you don't have insurance. Who's going to take care of you? Yeah, Hospice of the Valley will take care of you. Wow. That's a blessing. What are some of the – you get to work with wonderful people, and I, I know uh, you even have the family pets been involved. Yes, in, uh, pet connections. So we some of these community programs that we turn around and spend the money on – is uh, pet pet therapy. So my standard poodle and I go visit dementia patients at the Beatitudes and also St. Joe's hospice patients. Um, We have massage therapy. We know the power of human touch. Mm -hmm. These people are shut away. No one's one's holding them or touching them or or massaging them. Um, Music therapy. You have a dementia patient who is so gone that they've lost the power of speech. Put headphones on them with their favorite music. They can sing every word. Wow. It's amazing. So those are some of the beautiful programs. We have a Salutes to Veterans program. Say you were a vet in World War II, and those guys did not talk about what happened to no. them. They're now hospice, and they're going to die with all that heavy stuff on their yeah. heart. We send someone who's a volunteer, specially trained in their same branch of service, to pin them for wow. their service. Thank you. That's Give great. their family a, fa- a flag. Let the family leave the room, and they can talk vet to vet. Wow. And That's powerful. relieve their heart. It's beautiful. How much, uh, what have you learned that you didn't know before that uh, once you've been, you know, you got more involved with Hospice of the Valley, what, what are some of the things that you've found? Well, I think people think hospice means death. It's six months or, or less of life, according to what, you know, doctors think. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to be dragged kicking and screaming to hospice. But they don't think that sometimes if you wait to go to hospice, hospice isn't killing you. Hospice is the opposite. You've been told this disease is going to kill you. Hospice helps you make the most of that time mm. that you have left. So you want to enjoy life. You don't want to take that one more round of chemo that may hasten your death. Yeah. That may erode the quality of the time you have left. And you go to hospice when you still have some time mm-hmm. to enjoy life. That's when the gifts of hospice can mm. be given to you. And you have that time with your family. You're not sick because you're having so much curative treatment and your body is so beat up. Right. But it's a personal decision. Some people are are physically ready for hospice but not emotionally ready yeah. to go there. So it's just it's a process. It The beautiful thing about hospice, though, is it's not just for the patient. It's True. for the family. Mm-hmm. They, they support the family and let the family know what the patient's going through, what to expect, what it's going to look like as they get to later stages. And then how to grieve ahead of time and to support Vittori grief because you see it coming. Right. And grief afterwards. And then they stay with you through 13 months after the death because that first year anniversary. It's going to be tough. Very tough. Yeah. Lynn Sukuni is my guest. We're talking here in the last segment about Hospice of the Valley. And there's uh, there's lots of ways that our listeners uh, could be involved with hospice. Is that right? Yes. They can volunteer. We have 1,400 employees at Hospice of the Valley, but we have 2,300 volunteers. Wow. They go visit dementia patients. They read them. They read scripture to them. They take them out for lunch. They do play cards with them, play chess with them. They stay with them so the caregiver can get 
four-hour break Mm -hmm. to do something. We um, have pet volunteers who visit patients. We have people who want to do administrative stuff because they're not maybe wanting to do patient care. Right. It's all wonderful, the contributions. We have people that just want to raise money for Hospice of the Valley. I I know there are, uh, you know, groups of ladies that are seamstresses that, uh, you know, make blankets. Yes, the quilts and everything. In fact, you're right in the middle of a drive for uh, beach towels, towels, right? Yeah, what would we need beach towels for? Not swimming. (laughs) But you have these older people, and I'm going to be one of them. I don't care. When I get that age and someone has to bathe me or shower me, I'm modest. Yeah. I don't want to be naked. Right. So we take a beach towel, we put a slit in the middle and sew binding tape around it. So it's a poncho. It goes over you. You sit in the shower. The water keeps you warm. You can clean underneath it. Mm -hmm. Person's dignity dignity is preserved. But of course, those towels stay with the patient. So we always need new ones and we're running low. Uh, as an example, how how would people get if they? Hey, I've got some beach towels that would oh, be perfect. Oh, we would for that. love it. We would love it. And you know, in the summer, when summer's over, they all sell out at Walmart, and yep. they're all on sale. So that's the time to go get a bunch at Target and Walmart and drop them off. They can drop them by at any Hospice of the Valley office, and we will happily, happily take them. Or if you want to start a drive at your office, we'll come get them. That's great. We've got about three minutes left here, Lynn Sue. Uh, we've covered a lot. Uh, but really I want to give you an opportunity. Is there something that uh, God's laid on your heart or something that you just want to talk about, whether it's Hospice of the Valley or, or anything like that? Well, I I would say to people um, that if they aren't happy and they're feeling like they're not in the right place, it may not be the external stuff. It may mm. be that they're not right on the inside with God, that they're not using the gifts they were given. Yeah. And they should just maybe open their heart and their mind and listen. Am I in the right place or am I stuck in a rut? And can I be contributing somewhere? Because that's where you get your joy. And why am I holding back? Am I afraid? Do Mm. I not trust? Do I not have faith? You don't need to plunge out of where you are. Do some research. Think about it. Try to find your spot that he's sending you to. But listen instead of shutting that door and being afraid and paralyzed to move to the next level. There's a reason you're discontent, and it's really probably not on the outside. It's on the inside. Having um, participated in Hope Fest uh, the, uh, just two weeks ago was the fifth year, and that is just a full day of serving uh, the most needy in the community, whether they be homeless or yeah. nearly homeless or whatever. One of the most beautiful things of the day is, uh, yes, the big smiles of everybody that's there being served, the guests of the day. But something that's very powerful for me, having been in paraministry uh, and, and ministry work here in the Valley since 1988, is seeing the people that are volunteering and seeing that they're getting blessed because, again, we're doing what God has called us to do, and that is serve the most needy in the community, right? Yeah, you think giving and someone taking would drain you. That's not how it it's works how when it you works. serve. You end up getting filled up, you know, and it's it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, my favorite words in the Bible are what I want to hear when I die. Well done, mm. good and faithful servant. Because really, that's what you're put on this earth to do is to model Jesus, and he served. And when you serve others, um, you're going to see his real blessing uh, on your life. Lin Su, this has been so much fun. Uh, and uh, hours gone. I mean, we're just just like that. Uh, 
and uh, we didn't do any editing, so there's no little tiny sound bites that are going <laughs> to get uh, get published from uh, this afterwards. Uh, please give the contact information for uh, Hospice of the Valley once again. If somebody wants to make a contribution or wants to investigate. Uh, volunteering or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, well, they can go to our website, hov.org. That's easy. But if you have a family issue and you want to know if you need hospice care, we are open 24-7. A live person will talk to you. It's not a recording. 530-6900. And that's a 602. 530-6900. Thank you for having me, Thank Tom. you, Lynn Sue. All right. We've got to, I've got to get the selfie thing done here as soon as we get this. <laughs> okay. And uh, we'll come back with uh, some prayer music. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360, KPXQ.